Hi everybody, JP here with a quick note about today's episode. We have really enjoyed our return to regular shows with the conclusion of our last in a line of mini-series covering various topics within neurosurgery. However, since we teased a few weeks ago our upcoming series on families in neurosurgery, we've had a lot of interest from you and from other listeners in what that's going to entail and what those episodes are going to be like. So today, as we're gearing up for AANS, which is just one short month away, we wanted to share with you one of the episodes we had planned for that mini-series, just as a little preview, a little sample for what's in store when we get back to our next mini-series, which will be Families in Neurosurgery. So without further ado, here's today's show. Welcome to the Nursery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Nursery Podcast. We're excited to bring you yet another episode in our mini-series on neurosurgery and families. This is a very exciting area for JP and me because, of course, family is such a huge part of our lives as neurosurgeons. Now, I'm absolutely delighted today to be joined by two of our residents who actually are married. And so this will be one of the episodes talking about how neurosurgery couples, meaning both, both people in the couple, are neurosurgeons, and in this case, neurosurgery residents. This is a fascinating arena. It's hard enough to be a neurosurgeon on your own, but imagine also being married to a neurosurgery resident or, or attending for that matter. So we're very delighted to be joined by Evan Luther and Kat Berry here from Miami. Welcome to the podcast. So let me start by uh, just a very simple thing. Whenever I meet a couple, I always like to ask a simple question like, uh, how did you guys meet? Like, how did you guys get to know each other? Well, it's a little bit nerdy, if you will, but we um, met in our neurosurgery interest group in med school. Um, it's a very small group, and uh, he was also living with uh, roommates with a guy I went to high school and middle school with, so he sort of said, hey, there's this guy, Evan, and uh, we were friends for a year and a half, pretending to just like neurosurgery and try to hang out that way, and then one day we went on a date, and that was it. Yeah, I would say we, we lived... Uh... 90 miles away within 90 miles of each other for our entire lives and didn't meet till till medical school and and it kind of happened very similar to that is that my roommate at the time told me hey listen there's this girl that uh i went to uh i went to high school with who is i think in the class below you who's interested in neurosurgery and her name's cat berry i said oh okay well i'll look keep an eye out for her and the first time we ever actually in, interacted was in the parking lot of our medical school we we're both walking to class and I said, Hey, aren't you Kat Berry? And she was like, Yeah, you know, Mike told me about you. And I think we both bashfully looked away from each other and then we met again in the neurosurgery interest group and uh like Kat said, pretended that we were only interested in neurosurgery and not in each other for a while. Uh, but then finally went on a date and then the rest is history. Wow, that's uh that's obviously such a acute story since you know, here you guys are in this field and pursuing these careers, and, and that's what brought you together to begin with. Um, I'm curious, where were you in, in uh, like, what level of medical school when you met, 
And how much did you understand about the field and what the process going into it would be like and how demanding it would be when you decided to both pursue not only the field of neurosurgery, but pursue a relationship together, knowing that you were both going into such a daunting field? So we both were independently interested in neurosurgery before we met each other, which, you know, also I think was what sparked our, our interest in each other. Um, I was, a when we, when I met her, I think I was a third year medical student. She was a second year medical student. Uh, and then when we started dating, I had already kind of started my fourth year and she had, you know, started her third year of medical school. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, personally believe that even as a medical student, you don't really understand, you know, the, even the process of residency or neurosurgery until you're really in it. But I think at least at that point I had, you know, done my sub eyes and uh, had at least a, a little glimpse of what that meant. Uh, and I think so did she, but, uh, I think, you know, for us, it felt like what was important was important, meaning that our relationship was important in our lives. And we realized that, you know, we loved and cared about each other. And so no matter what the, you know, uh, what the future held for us, we, we thought that, that, you know, being together was, was important for us. In my mind, it's, Evan's always been ahead of me because he was a year ahead of me, but he, by the time we went on our first date, actually he had already matched and he had bought a house in Miami and he was planning to be this single guy in residency, I think. And then I came along and you know, change that whole picture, but in the, in a good way. And um, he was like a mentor to me before we ever started dating, sort of helping me understand the away process and which programs to look into. And based on my interests, like in his experience, what places might be a good fit for me. So I'd always kind of looked up to him in that way. And then, you know, we started dating and he was even more helpful and, um, you know, helped me check my emails with all those interview offers and, you know, because you're stuck in the OR as a sub-I and you're getting all these emails and it's blowing up and he was available because he's an intern and not in the OR. So um, it, it's been like a wonderful part of our relationship for me, actually, because he sort of was like a, a guide, but also just like a very supportive um, like teammate in the process, which is a difficult process that very few people understand unless you've gone through it. So I feel lucky in that way. Um, I didn't really get to pay it forward for him, but... Uh, I think, you know, now that we're both residents, our understanding of what neurosurgery is, is, you know, vastly different than as med students. And we identify with each other and understand each other more than, you know, probably most couples. Well, Kat, I'm glad you bring that up. I think you have a lifetime to pay it forward. Um, but, you know, the, the author, the British author, Henry Marsh, is famous for quoting that, um, you know, never marry a neurosurgeon because they're day, their bad day anyways, is always worse than yours. And, you know, here you have it on both sides uh, with Evan and, and Kat. You guys are both neurosurgeons and, and you go through these crazy days. How do you how do you deal with that and the emotion and the highs and lows? And I, I understand you have you have a couple dogs at home, right? So who has to take the dog out for a walk or feed the dog or watch the dog or whatever it is you do? How do you guys manage to divide labor? Because I'm lucky that my wife's not a neurosurgeon and she she fills in the gaps for me all the time, every day, right? How do you guys do that? That's a great question. I wonder sometimes how we do it because it seems so effortless. It's very seamless. We're um, very much equals and on the same team. I think without that, it'd be impossible. Um, we'd feel like one person's working harder than the other, but somehow it just magically he lets out the dogs at this time or I let them out this day. It's whoever's available and able. 
and um, it requires the teamwork with three, you know, 65 plus pound dogs. So, you know, I, it's uh, surprised me, honestly. I thought once I was in a relationship and especially with a neurosurgeon and I'm a neurosurgeon, there'd be some selfishness. And maybe because we understand what the other person is dealing with. Um, you know, I know his bosses. He knows my bosses. I know his colleagues. I understand what stresses he's under. And so it's like, oh, well, I'm able to help with this. So, you know, I do it. And then when he can, he does. Yeah. And I would I would say to that end, you know, I, we it's kind of felt natural in the sense that, you know, we both her and I have taken on separate responsibilities, but things that we like know that we play to our strengths and if that makes sense. So like Catherine loves a clean environment. Her home is her, you know, sanctuary. And so, you know, for her, she knows that like for it, it's good for her to clean and like take care of these things so that she can feel safe and in her own home. And in the morning when she's like getting ready and ready to go to work, like I'm feeding the dogs and making sure that they go outside so that we, you know, take care of our animals and, you know, the, the creatures that live with us so that they, you know, stay safe and fed, you know? So I think, but it has happened naturally in the sense that we never really assign those roles to each other. We just know our strengths and our weaknesses and, and we tailor our daily lives to that. Well, on that note about tailoring your daily lives, I'm very curious about a, a somewhat common aspect of relationships among people in any profession, but generally in, in the professional classes um, do you find that you try to set some time of your day or your time together outside of the hospital, set it aside and make it devoid of work, work free time, you won't talk about it, you try not to think about it? Um, or do you find that even, you know, if you're taking a walk outside or watching a movie, things from each of your days on the job will pop into your mind? And obviously, you can share that with the other person with understanding. Um but I often talk to people in various fields, law, other specialties of medicine, who always take their work home with them. And even if their spouse or significant other is not in the field, they may make an effort to set aside a, a sacred time where no one talks about work. Have you two taken any structured steps to, to build something like that into your relationship? I'll, I guess I'll start with that. You know, so the, the answer, the short answer is no, we don't have any structured, you know, uh, assigned time in which we don't talk about work. But I also, you know, I, I think both of us feel like, you know, as a neurosurgery residents and as future, you know, neurosurgeons that are, you know, uh, this is like a calling for us rather than a, you know, rather than just a job or a vocation. And, and as a result of that, you know, uh, we both kind of, you know, have neurosurgery on our mind most of the, the time, even when we're not at the hospital. And, what helps us, I think, more than anything is being able to talk to each other and work through problems and see things from different perspectives that, you know, uh, we can offer one another. Um, the other side of that, and I, I know I'm much more guilty uh, of this than, than she is, is, is giving, giving ourselves time to, uh, you know, to do other things in our lives that we enjoy that are not just, you know, neurosurgery and there are many times that she, you know, has to remind me and we just ask each other of time, like, hey, can we can we do this? Can we go ride bikes and and go do, you know, walk the dogs together or do something like that? And I think that in, you know, those little reminders help us, one, clear our minds and two, you know, give us time to to decompress and 
and even think about, you know, what happened at work or what's going on currently, and then be able to look at it from another perspective. So one of the best parts about our relationship is that we're both interested in a lot of things outside of neurosurgery. And he's right, like it, it's a calling for both of us. We're both very interested in it. And it is a huge part of our life. But I think one thing that I was shocked about what you know, I thought, oh, I'm never going to date a doctor in when I was in med school, I just dated different, uh, you know, people in the world that were doing different things like music, completely different things. And I never felt like I was missing something um, that missing that understanding that can come with dating a, another physician. But now that I am, uh, it's a whole nother world. And I think less time is spent wasted discussing work and explaining things to each other because we say like one word and the other person knows exactly what we're talking about. So there's not a lot of description of reminding so-and-so who this person is and X, Y, Z about your day. It's just like, oh yeah, you get right into it and there's no time wasted. And then on the other side of that is that frees up a ton of time to like joke around and laugh and go have fun. And I feel like we, I think it's probably one of the main things we do when we get home is just make each other laugh. So no matter how bad your day was, you kind of forget about it immediately. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because if, if your spouse doesn't understand how hard things can be or what it feels like to tear the dura or have a patient die or whatever, right? Yeah. You're right, Kat, that there's a lot of explanation. And sometimes the explanation won't even do it, right? The explanation occurs, but the understanding uh, at a basic level isn't truly there. And I think that's that's a source of a lot of discord. So I think it's wonderful that you guys have a great relationship. But let me bring up something very interesting to me. My wife and I were always talking about, okay, well, if we move to this city, what's it going to be like? Or if we go to that city, what's it going to be like? And it always centers around the fact that, you know, because because I'm the major breadwinner that she's like, well, you know, wherever you need to go, just go. Right. But now Evan's a year ahead of you. Right. So so on the next move, if you guys leave Miami, is is Evan going to determine that or how do you how do you work that out? Or do you say, well, you know, you know, whatever city you end up in, both of you have to get a job. Right. So it gets a little complicated if one person's always ahead by a year or two or three. Right. And, and we actually see this a lot in doctor families. In other words, you, you might be an ENT surgeon and not a neurosurgeon. Right, Kat? And then you would still potentially have this issue where whoever goes first, uh, I don't want to say holds more of the cards because you're a team, but there is something like that. Like, how do you have that discussion uh, when you're ready to take your job and the other person isn't really quite there yet, either uh, mentally or just in time, right? Or doesn't understand fully what's ahead. How do you guys even talk about stuff like that? Or is it too early to talk about that? Uh, no, it's not too early. I mean, given our situation where I actually, you know, was able to move programs to be together, which is you know, just phenomenal that that even happened for us. The concept of us trying to do whatever it took to be together has always sort of been a topic that's not taboo. It's part of the conversation. Um, and yeah, it, that is a, a mystery. Like, what are we going to do? And when Evan graduates, he's actually two years ahead now. And, you know, I don't want to be apart for two years. And we don't know if there's going to be kids by then. You know, we have no idea what the picture holds. So uh, yeah, it's something we discuss. And I think we've kind of come to a nice solution because Evan has so much interest in neurosurgery and endovascular and skull-based vascular stuff that he might be able to get in two fellowships potentially and then be done when I'm done and then we could travel together or I could get a fellowship somewhere and he could go there and do a, a year of fellowship in endovascular or skull-based 
So um, we're, I think the best part is that we're very flexible and open to different possibilities. And the, the thing that remains in the forefront is our commitment to each other, regardless of what the future holds. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, I think we, you know, um, I, I guess it, in, in terms of like background is that, you know, Kat, like we said, Kat, you know, uh, you know, matched elsewhere and we had, we had to, you know, we were lucky enough to have her, you know, be able to, to, you know, come from another program to be here. Um, but uh, to that end, you know, we, when we sat down and, and discussed our options about that, you know, we basically said, you know, we want, we just want to be able to be together and, you know, we would want to stack, you know, the cards, you know, in our, you know, in the direction of us being together, whatever that looks like. And, and, you know, now looking at it at the back end, now that I'm starting my fifth year um, and getting closer to the end of residency, we've kind of discussed what that means for us. And, uh, you know, I think the best option that we've, you know, kind of gone around with is that we want to be able to, you know, graduate and leave to get Miami together. Uh, so the hope, at least from my end, is to is to do my two postgraduate years of of training here in Miami, so that when I'm done with fellowship, she'll be graduating from residency, and then we have the ability to go wherever. Well, there's the official pitch. Uh, applications, <laughs> <end. laughs> but um, I uh, I hate to be the the one who keeps asking the stereotypical questions, but they're cliche for a reason. So having asked you about how much your professional life and your work life plays a role while you're at home. I just want to completely flip that. What's it like working with each other? I mean, people in relationships, couples and spouses, um, we always hear stories about, and it's always interesting to hear about how people function in the same professional space in a variety of fields, but in a field as demanding as high stakes as neurosurgery, and particularly in a training environment at different levels, What's it like being in the hospital at the same time? I mean, to what extent have you interacted or been on the same service? And just what's that experience like? I, it's a very rare situation. I think it's it's great. It's phenomenal. I mean, I think the, the reason I say that is because, like, uh, you know, Kat, more than anything in my life, is my is my partner. Uh, and I, I trust her with my life. And, and as a result of that, you know, I think for me, it, you know, we're, we don't ever – really direct we're not supposed to work directly you know uh i'm not supposed to ever directly be her superior in any service you know in, in the hospitals as a result of the the policies that we have which it makes sense but there are still times in in crisis you know when emergency surgeries need to happen or things are going on you know outside of our you know on control in which we've we have worked with each other and you know i think my trust with her at home and when in my own personal life translates very easily into my trust with her with patients and with the care that that she gives because i know you know how good she is and how detail-oriented she is and i and i trust her innately and implicitly um so i think for me it's it's actually wonderful because i get to see her you know do well and uh you know be the person that she's always wanted to be and excel in the position that she's in that's sweet. <laughs> I will say the same thing that we got to do an emergency case. I think there's been a couple other small procedures that we've done. And it's honestly pretty cool to get to see the person that you love, like doing such a great job. at something that you, you understand fully how good they're doing um, because you know what the goal is too. 
So it's actually just been fun. Anytime we've gotten to work together, I I thought, you know, maybe it'll be challenging or we'll fight or something. (laughs) And it wasn't that way at all. It's just like working with your best friend. So we've been lucky that it, it has gone so well the few times that we've had to work together. Yeah, let me ask you guys a kind of a personal question about handling stuff as a resident. So when you're taking home call and your pager is going off at night and it might go off, I don't know, five, ten times, right? And you're not cycled on your call. You're not <laughs> synchronized, I guess is the way to put it. So you're not on call and Kat, you're not on call and Evan's pager is going off. Then the next night, Evan's not on call and your pager is going off. How do you deal with that? I mean, if it were me, I'd sleep in a separate room, but then I'd never sleep with my wife, right? So how do you handle that? I think Evan's going to have some a really good answer to this question. Um, when I started as an intern and I was doing like buddy call, you know, and so I was in the hospital and then I'd leave and I'd leave a pager behind me. So I'd go home with no obligation uh, except my cell phone, of course. And Evan was on home call for eight months straight. So I honestly learned how to sleep through the pager, which is probably the worst thing I could have ever done because then I had to go be on home call <laughs> soon after. So uh, Evan, will, I'll, I'll leave the rest to him. <laughs> but I've learned to I wake up to it again. Don't worry. So, yeah, I, I would say, so Catherine is not a morning person, uh, which is, uh, again, this is what we were talking about previously, is that we both kind of play to each other's, uh, you know, strong suits and weaknesses. And I, I wake up pretty easily and can go back to sleep pretty easily. So there there were definitely times when she was on call, home call, and I wasn't, and her pager was going off, and she was sleeping through it. And I would kind of wake her up gently and say, hey, hey, your pager's going off. You got to call that back. And then I would go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, true. True. <laughs> I think it's it's actually worked out pretty well and I you know I don't because I can go back to sleep relatively easily I usually don't get pretty bothered by waking up so yeah and we can commiserate like it's, it's a ridiculous phone call about Tylenol orders at 3 a.m we both are like oh my gosh in the background so it's nice that I actually get to share it sometimes that's so funny um I I imagine that's got to be a, a great support when you're each on call uh, separately. And I'm, I'm glad that it's manifesting that way and not as just uh, doubling the loss of sleep. Um, so I know the, the way Miami's structured, um, that there's some elective time built in. Have you guys tried to talk about how you would use those, those years perhaps to enrich your lives outside of the hospital with the extra free time and maybe pursue uh, your divergent or similar interests within neurosurgery? Yeah, I mean, I are we've talked about it kind of briefly. I mean, it, it, in neurosurgery, you know, uh, I've been using my elective time to do uh, kind of focus on on cranial neurosurgery, um, and I think Kat has has diverged a little bit, and she's going to be spending a lot more time doing uh, doing spine surgery, uh, and. Uh, outside of that, I mean, I, I, outside of our interest in neurosurgery, uh, you know, we've talked about the idea of, you know, when, when, when to have children or not, or when to do something, you know, outside of neurosurgery. And uh, we haven't quite figured out what the right formula is. I know Dr. Wang has spoke with us and told us, you know, there, there's never a, a right or wrong time. You don't just don't delay it. But, um, you know, I, uh, we've been the one good thing with, you know, becoming more senior now is that we, you know, I've been having more time to be at home, uh, you know, outside of work rather than being on call in house in the, at the hospital, which 
makes it nice because I have a little bit more time to to really be with Cat and you know and ha- eat dinner together and you know and enjoy our each other outside of the hospital setting. Or meeting me at work when I'm on call to eat Panera with me. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it, yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's unique to each relationship and how you're going to plan it and time it, especially as a female, you, you know, you have a clock ticking that the male doesn't have. Um, and we've considered the option of, you know, doing a research year, my research year, and maybe having kids then. And I couldn't pass up on the opportunity to do some of our infolded fellowships that we have because they're so outstanding. And I just said, you know what, whatever, I'll either have kids during them or after them or when I'm in attending. And I, you know, won't, I won't be able to uh, pass up those chances. And I think that's a hard part for men and women, but especially for women, once you have kids to be able to fully focus on your job still and want to do it with all your energy and time as equal as you would take care of your kids. And that's a a hard challenge to meet. Um, And I wasn't something I was ready to be torn between. So I think for now we'll wait. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you two took it there because I was trying to, to tactfully ask about if you, if you had discussed uh, family and, and family planning in that time. So thinking even further ahead, let's go to that nebulous future time where you've had kids and let's say that you're attending, and you know, as Dr. Wang said, we're, we're planning to also talk to neurosurgery couples who are currently attendings, but have the two of you discussed, because I'm curious about the foresight to that scenario, have the two of you discussed how you would handle a family beyond the dogs, of course, but a family when you're both out of training, fully functioning attendings with your, with your own separate careers? I don't think we uh, have had a very have had an explicit kind of conversation about, you know, how we would handle it. But I think, you know, in, in general, most of our relationship has, you know, kind of evolved pretty organically. And I think in, in my mind, you know, the, the most important thing is just that we know, you know, if we can set our schedules so that they are not on call together at the same time, then, then for me, I know that, you know, if I was on call and, uh, you know, had to go in, uh, that, and she would be able to, to take care of anything at home that I wouldn't, uh, be able to at that time. And I think vice versa, you know, uh, the reason I say that is just because of, you know, the, the trust that I have with her and, the you know, the relationship that we have with each other, I, I know, you know, that she is capable of anything. So. I agree. I think it's um, something that, like everything in our lives, we've just sort of figured out in the moment, um, no matter how much you plan for something, you never really know how it's going to be and the things you'll have to improvise and, you know, work around. So um, it'd be nice if uh, we had family and near, near where we are, whenever we have kids, I think that's probably the easiest way to do it or make a, enough salary that you can afford quality childcare, which is a struggle for a lot of residents. Um, but both of our families live back in Texas, where we're from. So we're trying to lure them over to <laughs> the East Coast, get them a retirement home in Miami. But none of them are biting yet. So I, I want to ask you guys about uh, one last thing. But first of all, it sounds like the unifying theme here is that you're the fact that you care so much for each other, that you sort of compliment each other and always think about the other person has really been 
part of the recipe for your success with all the stresses of residency. And, and let me just add for our listeners that we're talking about two exemplary house staff. It's not like, um, you know, they're they're shirking their duties to to go eat Panera together or whatever. I mean, this is really a, a testament to the sacrifice it takes to form and maintain one of the most important bonds in our society. And, and my hat's off to you guys for that. And Kat, it, you know, let me also add that it's been a real pleasure to have you here. And what a, what a great loss for Indiana. And Nick Barbro, what a great gain for Miami that you came to join us. And, and we're so proud of you and, and all that you do. But, but let me ask you guys to maybe send the message out there to the folks listening. So there, there are probably about a thousand of our listeners that are in training or about to be in training. And maybe it's not neurosurgery. Maybe it's, maybe it's general surgery. Maybe it's OBGYN, right? But this problem that we talk about with, with couples, uh, surgical trainees as couples, is amplified a bit in neurosurgery, but it applies broadly, right? Can you give a little bit of advice, aside from what we already know, which is that you love each other, you love the other person, just one little kernel of advice to them about how they could try to enhance their relationship in these times that are, are often very exciting and also very stressful and tiring, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I think, thank you for your kind words. Um, I think for me, sometimes you feel, especially working at, you know, one of the largest public hospitals in the country, that sometimes you're kind of fighting all day. You're fighting to keep your patients alive and taking care of them, um, keeping everybody happy, keeping yourself happy. And I think uh, for me, the advice I would give to another couple is just remember you're on the same team. You know, even when you're frustrated or angry, at something else. Remember, they are not the enemy and, you know, they're there for you and they're there to support you. And um, if sometimes they might give you advice you don't want to hear. <laughs> it comes from a good place and it helps you be better. And, um, you know, I think that that's uh, the, the key to our success is remembering we're on the same team. And I would follow that with that, you know, communication is, is huge um, because, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I coming off of a, you know, 24 hour call and, you know, emergency cases and, you know, uh, tired and haven't slept a wink. Sometimes I don't even know what I need. Uh, but if I can at least communicate that, you know, like this is what's going on with me, then, then she may be able to understand, uh, what, what I need in that moment. Uh, and vice versa, you know, if we just communicate with each other and tell each other, you know, Hey, this is what's going on with me. This is how I'm feeling. This is what has happened, you know, we now know each other well enough that we can kind of guess, hey, well, maybe this is what I can do to help this situation be better. And I think for us, you know, being able to communicate with each other about what's happening and what is, you know, what we feel and what we may need at the, at the moment has really been key in, in allowing us to continue to succeed as a, as a couple. Wow. Well, Kat, Evan, I mean, anyone listening today, hearing the way you two talk about each other and with each other, it's, it's obvious the bond that you have and how that extends both at work and at home. And having spent time with the two of you together myself, be it on the, uh, the legendary Miami regatta on Dr. Wang's boat or, the, <laughs> or Dr. Wang's legendary shooting outing that we all enjoyed, um, it, it's, just as, it's just as palpable in person when the, when the two of you are together, the chemistry that you have. Um, so on behalf of Dr. Wang, myself, everyone listening, obviously, um, it was very generous and open of you two to come on today and discuss these things. They're very personal topics, but you have such a unique 
experience and a unique situation nationwide, if not worldwide, I think it's important and admirable for you to come on and share your experiences for everyone listening who may be in a similar experience or who may be thinking about entering that kind of situation. So thank you both deeply for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks so much for having us. It was great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.